and welcome to the Remember the Girls podcast. I'm Emma Bliss, president of Remember the Girls and a carrier of X-linked myotubular myopathy, or MTM, a rare neuromuscular disorder. Remember the Girls is a nonprofit organization founded in 2017 with a mission to support and advocate for female carriers of X-linked genetic disorders. Our sole purpose is to provide collaboration, education, and growth to our community and spread awareness of X-linked women patients and their symptoms to the world of medicine and genetics. We do this by sharing our own personal journeys with you, along with many other brave women. Today, I have the honor of interviewing these four women. I am excited and grateful to be here with you all, and I'm going to introduce each woman and open the space for them to share their story with you all one by one. Then we will round robin a few questions to all of them. Um, First, we have Amy. Amy Atkins currently works as the Director of Government and Social Programs at Little Hercules Foundation. She is a carrier and mother to a 16-year-old with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which has been in her family for multiple generations. Prior to her current position, Amy worked for several years in various capacities in both public and private nonprofit social services. She has worked in case management, program management, and in the administration of Medicaid waivers. In her current position, Amy works as access issues by working directly with individuals and families, as well as engaging directly with decision makers. She has a passion for helping people obtain access to the services and supports they need. Wonderful. Amy, welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you, Emma. Um, I do just want to thank Remember the Girls for spreading uh, carrier awareness during Duchenne month um, and for holding this panel and inviting me to be involved with it. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, we're grateful Uh, for you. Thank you. um, A little bit about me. Um, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, or DMD as we call it, has been a part of my life for really as long as I can remember. It existed in our family way before I was even born. And as far as our family knows, the first instance of the disease, the disease in our family were two of my mother's brothers. They were identical twin boys who both passed away in their early teens before my mother was even born. My grandmother then went on to have six more children, three of them unaffected boys and three girls. While those boys were unaffected, we know that at least two of the three girls inherited DMD as they passed the gene on to their sons. One of the women, my aunt, had a son with DMD that was five years older than I was. And I spent a lot of time with that cousin, enjoyed going to their house, visiting, spending time with him. Um, We'd go out on the, you know, out for walks. um, And he was in a wheelchair. And I didn't really think anything of it. Uh, That was just, that was just him. (laughs) Uh, But when I was eight, my brother, David, who was four at the time, was also diagnosed. And since I'd spent a lot of time with my cousin, I thought I was familiar with the disease. Um, I thought, well, my brother will be weaker and he'll eventually use a wheelchair, but nothing else is going to change. And in the beginning, that was true. Um, The older he got, the more his condition progressed, the more care he needed. My parents were divorced and my father wasn't in the picture. That left my mom, my brother and I in the household. 
as my mother worked second shift, even though we did have a neighbor who looked in on us, I helped out a lot with his with his direct care, um, hygiene, helping with homework, cooking meals. I was often unable to stay uh, for after school activities and was working on my homework well into the night after I had helped my brother David. Uh, at that time, even though I really I loved him immensely. I did hold some resentment for having some responsibilities that quite frankly, none of my other friends had. Um, I also experienced sadness uh, watching him slowly wither away. Um, I lost my brother when he was 18 years old. But in reflecting, I've come to realize that being a caregiver at such an early age really contributed to what was going to be my career path. And I do look fondly over those years and I wouldn't give them back for anything in the world. Um, you know, that quality time with my brother um, are just memories to last forever. So I found out I was a carrier early on in my younger teen years. Many people have asked why, why I was tested so early. My best guess after talking with some medical professionals and just my knowledge on Duchenne research is that the first genetic testing for DMD started in the late 80s after the Duchenne gene was finally discovered. And it was likely probably a really exciting time for clinicians and researchers. They finally knew what they were looking at. Um, I'll probably never know why they tested me at such a young age, quite honestly. But what I do know is that that knowledge shaped my views of my future self from that point forward. Knowing I was a carrier, I decided early on that I wouldn't be having any children. I feared that finding a mate willing to accept this would also be a struggle. I was never told that carriers could have symptoms. Actually, I don't think they knew. When I was a sophomore, I had the opportunity to participate in my school's drill team, which was fabulous. I was doing it after school activity. Uh, but a bit into the season, I struggled with what was diagnosed as tendonitis in my lower legs. My symptoms were beyond pain only. I also had significant weakness in addition to that pain. I tried to get out of bed in the morning and I would just fall, leading me to have to wait for symptoms to improve before going to school. Was this carrier related? Maybe, maybe not. But most importantly, it was never even considered a possibility. Even though from an early age, I didn't plan to be a mom, Sometimes what you thought would happen, wouldn't happen, does. Um, I think that happens to all of us. Uh, when I learned I was pregnant, I hoped maybe we'll have a girl and she'll be just like me, a carrier or completely unaffected. When I took an early blood test to check for spina bifida and Down syndrome, you know, you can get that optional test early. I went ahead and took it. My blood levels indicated potential Down syndrome. I was sent for a detailed ultrasound to check for heart defects and found out then that I was having a boy. While he had no markers present for Down syndrome as far as physical factors, I was told that he could still have it and at that point I was offered an EMNEO. I declined the EMNEO and my husband supported that decision. If my son had Down syndrome, it wasn't going to change the trajectory of my pregnancy, uh, but I also feared Duchenne would show up on the test. I didn't want to know. I thought, I'm having a boy, but maybe he won't be affected. After all, my grandma had three unaffected boys. When my son was delayed in walking, I thought, he's just a slow developer. I had him assessed when he was two for early intervention services. They tested his functional areas and found that he only qualified for speech services, meaning his physical test came out in the normal range. Wow, 
a brief period of relief swept in. I thought Duchenne had passed us by. Then he started attending a preschool at three and the physical therapist there had some concerns about his physical development. We tried not to worry too much as my son didn't show the same symptoms that my brother or my cousin had shown and nobody in the family really had, saw it, had seen it either. But we were referred to a neurologist and after completing testing at the age of four, my son Elijah was diagnosed with Duchenne. Elijah will be 17 next month and I'm so proud of the young man he's becoming. He's got a great sense of humor and his laugh is the sweetest sound I've ever heard. I've been asked if I regret not getting the amnio test during pregnancy. And while I've thought a lot about it, the answer is no, it's a solid no. I wouldn't have wanted to have been faced with the impossible choice. Um, however, in retrospect, deciding not to test was making a choice, even if I didn't see it that way at the time. We had four years to enjoy the unknown before diagnosis of a disease that at our time of diagnosis had zero approved treatments. If someone asked if my choice would be different today, perhaps it would be, as there's so much hope right now with approved treatments and even more potential treatments on the horizon. Some advice that I have for other carriers would be to do what's best for you and your family, which might not necessarily be what others expect or think you should do. My son means more to me than anything in the world. My only regret is allowing others to make me feel guilty about that. Sometimes others can say things that are hurtful or imply I've done something wrong. Sometimes people say things they don't necessarily mean to be hurtful, but are. Another piece of advice would be to take care of you. We know that carriers can have issues ranging from physically showing symptoms to heart problems. And if you can't get anyone to listen, if you can't get your doctor to listen, find another one who will. And that's just a little bit about me. Thank you, Amy. That was, that's amazing. That was a, such a great timeline of everything. Um, we appreciate you a lot for sharing that. I know how hard that could be. Um, okay, so now we're going to hear from Betty. Betty Veriton is a wife mother, advocate, writer, and blogger living in Hastings, Nebraska <laughs> with her family. Betty has six children and is currently expecting her seventh. Three of Betty's children are boys living with Duchenne. Her sons were diagnosed 10 years ago prior to her knowing she was a carrier of the disease. She shares her family's journey through Facebook and her blog, weather-storms.com, and recently started writing a column called Party of Nine for Muscular Dystrophy News. Betty, welcome. I'm going to open the space now for you to share your journey with us. Thank you. And uh, like Amy said, just thank you to the organization for allowing us all to come on and have this space to share our stories. Um, so I've lived in Nebraska almost my entire life, uh, and I, unlike Amy, we had no family history, and I didn't know, I had never heard of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, so it was when my, so my three sons now are ages, I'm going to think, they have birthdays and things, 15, 12, and 10, but my oldest was diagnosed at age four. Um, and it was a complete shock. We really didn't suspect anything. He was just having, when he, so he was a big baby. Let me start that. 10 pounds, three ounces, 23 and a half inches long, huge. And then he just kind of stayed 
fat and round and chubby. And when he wasn't moving on the same timeline as his older sister, we really weren't concerned. I kept telling myself every baby develops differently, just like, you know, they tell you at the doctor's appointments. And he was just huge. He's just the big boy. And I thought he's just going to take a little bit longer to get going. So we weren't overly concerned. We did some like mommy and me gymnastics and some swimming lessons, things like that, that I thought, well, we'll just get him, we'll just give him a little extra help. And then his younger brother, Chance, was born. Chance is our only unaffected son. And he was passing um, max up in milestones very rapidly. They're 17 months apart. Um, but, you know, when Max was just finally beginning to take, like, be able to run or, yeah, by the time Max was running, Chance was already, like, climbing ladders and jumping off things. And we just thought this, okay, now I'm getting a little bit more concerned. We brought it up at a doctor's appointment. And he even at that point wasn't very concerned, but he said, well, if your insurance will cover it, let's just send you to physical therapy and we'll just help him get caught up. But the physical therapist right away recognized it as muscle weakness, not a delay, and suspected due some form of muscular dystrophy. Um, so as our story goes, uh, at, by that point, we'd already had our fourth child, Rowan, and had found out we were pregnant with our fifth child, Charlie. Rowan and Charlie are my other sons with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. While we went in for our like pregnancy confirmation appointment here in Nebraska, we see a family practice doctor. So he sees us for everything. And so while we were at that appointment, he mentioned that he was getting some notes from the physical therapist and suspected that Max might have a form of muscular dystrophy. Um, that led to some specialist appointments in Omaha a few weeks later. And she, based off examination, could fairly competently diagnose him with Duchenne. I mean, we followed up with genetic testing and all of that. And I remember her at that point telling me that if I was a carrier, which at that point I didn't even realize it, could, it was a genetic disease, I didn't know anything about it. But if I was a carrier, there was a 50% chance my other children at home could be affected. I think immediately I knew that my then two-year-old Rowan at home was affected. He was, had been even slower to hit milestones than his older brother, um, Max. And I started to worry that the baby that I was pregnant with could also be affected. Um, we didn't know it was a boy at that point, but we did find out through ultrasound that it was a boy um, and knew then that there was a chance that he could be affected. We chose not to have any testing during pregnancy I've always found pregnancy to be like um, a very hopeful time, a very joyful time. And I just wanted to um, relish that without knowing. Um, but just shortly after he was born, he was probably seven months old. I, I was just had been so enmeshed in Duchenne that I think I was like Hawkeye looking for symptoms. And we, he wasn't lifting his head on time. And that was probably like the only milestone that he had missed. But I just knew. And so we went in for testing for, and we tested him and myself at the same time. And of course he came back, um, you know, diagnosed as Duchenne and I was diagnosed as a carrier, which wasn't a surprise to us at that point after having already had two sons diagnosed. Um, after that, I don't think we decided that we were gonna have more children. We were distraught. It was an awful probably two years for me 
after diagnosis, just trying to uh, wrap my head around everything that was going to change for our family and all the dreams that we had once had that no longer existed. I mean, all of that was just huge for me. Um, and we didn't even talk about having more children. And, but uh, um, we did. We went on to have another little girl. Her name is Mary, and she's seven. And I'm pregnant now again with, a, with another little girl. And I was just going to talk about that a little bit, because that is something that after diagnosis, it's a hard decision. Do we have more children? Do we not have more children? Um, do we have our daughters tested? There's just so much that goes into it. Um, what it came down to for us was that we were practicing Catholics and our faith made a big role in our decision to not necessarily try for more children, but we weren't going to do anything permanent that could stop us from having more children. Um, and we weren't actively trying either time to have another one, but um, like Amy said, sometimes that's just how life works. And so we've had two more daughters since the boys were diagnosed. You know, in one way, it's a relief to know that they're girls because you, you know that the chances of them being as affected as the boys are much less. But it's, but I also know that there's a possibility that all of them could be carriers or one of them, or, you know, I hope none of them are carriers. Um, but, you know, there's a chance that my grandchildren could have Duchenne. And so it's just a really different way of looking at it. We decided early on not to have my oldest daughter tested until she was old enough to be part of the conversation. We had talked to a genetic counselor about that decision and she made a lot of good points to us that made sense. Like if she is a carrier, then at what point do you tell the boys that she's dating down the line? Do you tell them right away, like on the first date or do you wait until it becomes something that might turn into marriage and then you start talking about it and that to us like really resonated and we wanted her to wait. We wanted her to um, make that decision with a future spouse. Um, but we also know that it affects carriers in a lot of ways. I'm affected, my heart's affected. I take three medicines on a daily basis just to try to keep it as healthy as possible and keep it from uh, you know, any progressive damage happening. And so, when we decided not to test Lexi, my oldest, to see if she was a carrier, we did decide to follow her heart. And so it's been checked on a regular basis every four years. And so far, um, it's a healthy 20-year-old typical heart. But she's recently started dating a boy, um, probably the one. They've talked a little bit about getting engaged and what that timeline will be for them. And so she's brought it up that she's ready. And so we haven't started the process, but it's the next thing that we'll probably go through as a family living with Duchenne. And so I've kind of, we've kind of seen all sides of it and it's just, we're always learning. It's so true. I think that's such an important topic that we could, you know, host a whole entire webinar on um, when to talk to your daughter or even when when to test them and when to have that conversation it's and it could even trickle into when to tell your mother or when to test your mother or your aunt or your cousins um, so that's a bigger topic but it's so important so thank you for bringing that up Betty um, 
Okay, so next we will hear from Jessica. Jessica Fabus Cheng is an, is an advocate for Duchenne muscular dystrophy as well as a registered nurse, a former member of Team USA in the sport of Taekwondo and now the newly crowned Mrs. New York America 2021. After her cousin was diagnosed with Duchenne in 2004 and she soon after as a genetic carrier, life was never the same. While her family got involved with PPMD early on, it wasn't until Jessica became an RN herself that she began to understand the power of advocacy as it related to her patients. In 2019, Jessica traveled to her first advocacy conference and saw how critical sharing your personal story was with lawmakers. Since then, Jessica's mission has been to continue to advocate, yet also to connect families to the power found in sharing their own personal stories. She wants to encourage the Duchenne community to raise their voices courageously in the fight to end this disease. Yes, Jessica, that's amazing. That is exactly what we want to do and help you do here um, at Remember the Girls. Welcome. Um, I look forward to hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm very honored to be here among all of you. Um, hearing your stories, that's, I mean, that just informs me. It, it gives me more fire when I go to Capitol Hill, when I speak to people, because you know, I carry all of you with me as well, even though I may not have met you before. It's something that I just, I feel um, the voices of, of everyone, whether you're actively advocating or not. Um, it's just something I feel is so important. And so for me, my story is, as you mentioned, um, my cousin was diagnosed. Like most people, it's, it comes out of thin air. It's, or it's so, so it seems. No idea what Duchenne was, no idea you could be a genetic carrier for any type of X-linked disease or any disease. Um, I guess if I thought about it, maybe I could see how that's possible, but that's usually not the first thought in your mind when you're thinking of getting married or having a family or your future dreams for yourself or your children. That's not even entering the thought process. And so that was the case. My aunt had my cousin, Tommy, and for the first few years, you know, it's the honeymoon period, everything is fine. And um, they just started noticing he was having a little bit of trouble getting up. And it was, um, and funny enough, in, in your stories as well, it's, it's not the pediatrician that notices these things. It's usually a physical therapist or someone that, occupational therapist, someone that's, I guess, trained to look at those things. And so I find that interesting and just that's a different topic altogether but you know why are mds are not though usually the first ones to notice this so um so he was diagnosed and that's when we found out that it was an x-linked um process and uh at that point my aunt decided along with my mom and her my mom has two other sisters to be tested to see if they were carriers, um, because there always is that chance that it's just a spontaneous mutation. But um, in our case, um, my mom was found to be a carrier. Of course, my aunt was a carrier as well. And then um, my, my other aunt was not. Uh, so at that point, I was really at that time, the only person of you know childbearing age. I was in my twenties already. So uh, I remember being pulled aside at like a family event or something by my aunt, like pulled into like a side hallway. And she was like, I want to talk to you 
about, you know, Tommy's diagnosis and how do you feel about it? And also that there is this chance that you may be a carrier for this disease as well. And it's, you know, basically up to you if you want to pursue testing, because even at that time, we had to go all the way to the University of Chicago to even have this test done. It wasn't as, um, as I, want, I don't want to say common necessarily, but it's not as in the, um, the conversation as it is now. Um, so we decided that I would do that, but I just remember that moment thinking, now all of my thoughts for the future are kind of on hold because if I was a carrier, you know, that's a decision down the line that I'm going to have to make in terms of my future family. I don't know what that answer would be for me. I, I too am a person of faith. Um, I have a relationship with God and I mean, this is just my personal faith. But, you know, there's implications just across the board when you're thinking about life and what that means. So um, I was tested. And then I remember going to the University of Chicago with my mom to get our results. And we were waiting in the room for the doctor to come in. And the doctor came in followed by like seven or eight residents and medical students. And I knew immediately that this is not going to, you know, be, oh, you don't, you're fine. Have a nice day. You know, it's not going to be that. Um, it was a teachable moment for them to show, to show these future doctors how to deliver information like this, I guess. And uh, so I was found to be a carrier. And at that point, I was not engaged. I wasn't thinking of marriage or anything. So it was just information for me to have. But I do remember that it's sort of, you know, this is the mental health aspect that I don't want to say it gets swept under the rug, but it doesn't get talked about a lot because the focus often is on the boys, which is fine as, as it should be. But for women who are carriers, at least for myself, I remember thinking some of the same thoughts, um, you know, as Amy, you know, who is going to want to marry me? Who, you know, and, and also when do I tell this to somebody? at what point, you know, your first date, you don't want to say, by the way, I'm a carrier for a genetic disorder, you know, would you like to have another date with me? You know, so you want to be forthcoming and honest, but there is that moment, like, how do we handle this portion of it? Um, so fast forward, I did meet my future husband. And um, for me, I can tell you a little bit about that. Um, I didn't, of course, tell him on our first date. Uh, but I waited until just to see how things were going. And then after about a year, I decided that I, I really can't proceed unless I tell you this, because I could tell, you know, things were more serious and I'd gotten to know him. So for me, that's, that was like the, that happy medium of, you know, we know each other enough and it's kind of leaving yourself open to the possibility that he may not want to continue the relationship if, you know, we can't either A, have children, or it has to be through something like in vitro fertilization. And, um, you know, as I said, he is my husband. So he said, you know, I will still continue with you. Um, but that's not to say that other people didn't have other opinions about that either. Um, family, other family members, um, you know, people wondering, you know, why would you still be with someone knowing this? Uh, but for me, it was important to give this information. And then as a, I became a nurse 
And not because I was a carrier, but just as something I felt really kind of pulled towards, called to do. I started out working as a surgical technologist, which is someone who is an assistant in the operating room. Basically, I like to describe this, like if you've ever watched like a medical drama, when they're, you know, in the OR and they're like knife, and then someone hands the knife, that's a surgical tech. Um, we do a lot more than that, but we don't get the, you know, the play in Hollywood. But I started, you know, like that and then decided from there that I would like more a bigger role and then, you know, to become a nurse. So I did. And then I predominantly have worked in the operating room. And the thing that I realized there was number one, the patient is asleep. So if you see something or you see something happening, even inadvertently, because I don't think a doctor really means to do anything, but if you notice something was um, not sterile anymore, you know, because the sterility is a huge thing in there, you have to speak up and say something because the patient can't, you know? Um, so that it started to kind of make those connections in my head that, you know, I can take this outside of the operating room. I don't just have to have this passion for speaking up when I need to. I could also do that for things that were close to my heart, near to my heart. Um, and I started um, looking more into the advocacy side of um, Duchenne. And my family, when my cousin was diagnosed, they were, they got involved with PPMD pretty early on. So I had known what that was like, you know, in the periphery. I feel like I was always in the periphery supporting it, but I was never like directly involved. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of a unique thing, but pageantry for me is something I've also always felt pulled towards and called towards, um, even as a young person. I wasn't able actually to do pageants when I was a kid. Um, I think the, for me, I love like sparkly things and that that's like the hook, you know, it's like, oh, I want to be a part of that. But then you realize that it's, it's discipline, it's hard work, and you can have a voice and speak about things and gain attention for things in a unique way. Um, so I decided to combine all of those things together and um, began advocating um, with PPMD um, on Capitol Hill and, and locally with our local lawmakers as well. And the key thing for me that I found after my years, a few years of doing it now, is how critical the story is. Your experience relating to people in Washington, who these kids are and who we're fighting for, um, not only with a, a picture of them, but talking about, you know, the victories and the hardships and putting basically um, a face onto the, uh, you know, what this is, you know, because we could talk about charts and graphs all day, but, you know, we could talk about, you know, Tommy, my cousin specifically, that is memorable and they remember that. And it is something that I think will inform our leaders when they begin to make decisions on where money should go for their budget. Because frankly, we need federal funds to end this disease. That That's just what you know we need, but we also need to educate people as well. And so as Mrs. New York America, that's been my goal is to let more people know what Duchenne is, that it is, um, that there is a genetic component and that testing is available, you know, because no matter, I think, what you believe in terms of your faith or what you believe about um, if IVF is right or wrong or not finding out um, if that's right or wrong, it's just information 
that I think women and families should really have because then they can make the best choice for them. So that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Absolutely. What a great platform. That's such an amazing platform because you're right. It's what Remember the Girls is all about is we are about giving people all the options, laying it out on the table and allowing them to make the decisions for themselves. But at the base of it, it's knowing they have options, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's what a great platform. I love that mission that you have, Jessica. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Um, okay. So last we will hear from Mindy. Mindy is a board member for our amazing organization. Mindy Cameron discovered that she was a carrier of Duchenne muscular dystrophy several years after her youngest son was diagnosed with the X-linked genetic condition in 2004. She has been a very active member of the Duchenne advocacy community for the past 15 years and now serves as the advocacy director for Little Hercules Foundation, where her work primarily focuses on the Duchenne Family Assistance Program. She is our board member here at Remember the Girls. Um, she is also a board member of the Muscular Dystrophy Family Foundation, a nonprofit that helps families in Indiana affected by any form of muscular dystrophy. Mindy has been fortunate to participate in a study currently underway at Nationwide Children's Hospital that is looking into the effects of Duchenne on female carriers. We did briefly discuss that last week in our webinar. Um, Through her participation in the study and through her work as a lifetime advocate, Mindy has learned much about the spectrum of health issues that can affect Duchenne carriers. Through her work with Remember the Girls, Mindy wants to help promote widespread recognition of the emotional and physical health issues that can affect carriers of X-linked genetic conditions. Mindy, hi and welcome. I'm going to open the space up for you now. I have to to say that I'm no longer the advocacy director at Little Hercules Foundation, though. I, I forgot... That was on my list of things to do, Emma, and it just kept sliding down. And then I'm like, oh no, that's not, yeah. I didn't change that. So I am no longer with Little Hercules Foundation. It was an amazing um, place to work. I feel like we, we accomplished a lot there. And um, I really learned a lot of Amy's story um, through working with her at Little Hercules and all the stories of the people that went before me in this presentation have been really excellent. Um, Thank you all for participating. Um, As Emma said, I uh, found out I was a carrier after my son, who's now 20, was diagnosed. He was diagnosed in 2004. Prior to that time, it had never um, been in my family either. I have two brothers. Um, All of my female relatives from my mother's side of the family had boys. Um, I had a, a son in 1996 who was, you know, for all intents and purposes, healthy and, and you know, I'd never, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, had ne- I'd never heard of Duchenne. I'd heard of muscular dystrophy, but not Duchenne. It was certainly not on my radar. Uh, Christopher was born in 2001 after a lot of difficulty uh, conceiving a second child, lots of miscarriages, lots of failed pregnancies. Um, finally ended up getting pregnant and having Christopher and now that I know the symptoms of Duchenne, he had all of them even as an infant. Um, a lot of, I think a lot of signs of Duchenne are obvious when you know what to look for, but you know, of course we weren't looking for those. So he just wasn't really hitting his milestones the way that my other son had. Um, we were in the middle of an international move at the time. So I didn't think too much about it and was kind of grateful that he wasn't walking and causing a lot of trouble getting into things while we were, while we were moving to the United States. But 
um, when he was about two, uh, my sister who didn't have kids <laughs> was um, concerned about his development. He wasn't talking or anything like that. So we had him tested uh, and he was uh, diagnosed with Duchenne. I was told that I was almost certainly not a carrier given my family's history. Um, I was extremely strong to the point where people would comment on it. Like I was strong like a man, they would say. Um, just really had no muscle weakness whatsoever. However, like Amy said, thinking back to high school, I was very clumsy. I fell a lot. Um, it is interesting when you, when you think about symptoms of carriers and what we know now versus what we knew then. I think now somebody might even pick it up due to all the work that's been done in Duchenne carriers. But um, uh, Christopher was getting some blood work done at Cincinnati Children's as part of a clinical care appointment. And I just spur of the moment said, take some blood. I don't care about insurance coverage. I'll work it out. I really wanna know if I'm a carrier. And I was, I had the same mutation that my, my son has. It's a rare mutation. It's a double duplication mutation. Um, so that is how I found out I was a carrier. Um, my first son honed in on, on the math right away and said, wow, I had a 50% chance of having this myself. And he was like 11 at the time. And so, yeah, I have one son with Duchenne and one son without Duchenne. Uh, I didn't, I was in my, I think I was 34 when I had Chris and I really hadn't planned on having any more children. So that really wasn't an issue. Um, Certainly once I found out I was a carrier, I, I said I, I wasn't going to uh, have any more kids. And I guess, you know, I got, I got very involved in advocacy, fast forward to them opening a, a, the Duchenne carrier study. And I was really interested in participating. And it turns out I'm, I have quite a few uh, heart issues that are related directly to my carrier status. I actually was called in First of all, on the stress test, that's part of the, the carrier test. I had four arrhythmic events during the stress test. So the, the PI, Dr. Ma, came out and found me and said, you know, you need to see a cardiologist. You need to be under a cardiologist's care. So I, I did that. Luckily, Dr. Larry Markham moved to my hometown shortly after I moved here back to Indianapolis. And um, he is the, he, he sees me at a clinic for, um, it's, a, it's at a children's hospital. He predominantly sees kids with genetic heart conditions, but he also sees um, people who have genetic conditions that are genetic-based. Genetic so um, I'm now 56. Because of that study, I feel like I know, and it may have, it may, enable me to live a lot longer because I, I do know that I've got some heart in, involvement and I am taking meds like, like Betty, I'm on three meds. I'm on Losartan, a Clarinone, not, no, sorry, Losartan. Um, I guess I'm just on two. I'm only on Losartan and a beta blocker. I just a little, for a little bit of reference, um, I think one area that we need to think about more is what carriers should and shouldn't be doing from a physical fitness standpoint. However, I was bound and determined to do a crazy uh, fundraising thing last, I was, right before the pandemic, November of 2019, I decided I wanted to go to Everest Base Camp with a Duchenne advocacy group called Hope for Gus. 
and I did that. Um, Dr. Markham signed me off, uh, did lots of tests on me to make sure that I could go. Um, I did go, and I, I feel like if you're, I mean, of course, every carrier is different. Some people might have more heart issues than I do or more muscular pain issues than I do. Um, but, you know, I think it's just super important to know if you're a carrier. That way you can take some proactive measures to stay as healthy as possible. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much my story. My son is 20 right now. I just got his cardiac MRI results back today from his last MRI. And he's also pretty heart healthy for the time being. And he's a sophomore in college. I've learned so much um, from other carriers like Betty and Amy, who I've known for many, many years now, over a decade, I think, for both. Um, I, when I first found out I was a carrier, I, I heard a lot of people kind of ask me, you know, you must have known you were a carrier, you know, there, there was a little bit of discrimination, I would say, about carrier status. Um, I think I even had it for a while. And then I, I've, Amy was the per first person I met that I thought, wow, it doesn't, it, all these lives are so important and so worthwhile and I wouldn't regret a second of it. So um, yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's been an incredible ride. It's, it's changed my life and uh, I'm happy to be on Remember the Girls and I think that the Duchenne community in particular has a lot to offer other carriers because we have had to study. We know a lot more than I know a lot of other disease excellent carriers know and I'm fortunate that uh, I was a part of that. That's my story. Yeah, no, the, the community and the connections you make are invaluable. They're in our, these communities are amazing. So thank you, Mindy, for sharing that. Oh, I have one more thing to say, though. Absolutely. Uh, oh. I wanted. I one of the things I wanted us all to talk about. I think they all have is is how we've kind of turned this on its head and used this knowledge and this thing that most people, I think, universally would say this is a this is not a great thing to have happened in my life to find out I was a carrier and to pass this on to my son. Um, however. You make lemonade out of lemons, I guess that's the expression. And um, I became very involved in advocacy right away. I worked as a volunteer for all the different advocacy groups. I, I enrolled in uh, studies. I got Christopher enrolled in studies. I looked at, uh, I did a lot of research on, on how to learn about research and I did make a career out of it. And I think industry is starting to value people like us uh, from our, for our points of view and for our, our knowledge and experience. So I think uh, that's, I say it changed my life. It changed everything about my life, my family life, my professional life, my personal life. Yeah, I think advocacy is obviously so important. Um, I think many of us, um, when you go through something and it's emotional in order to negate any negative feelings you have, you you work, you, you, you put into action, you go to work, you go, you put action behind your feelings and it helps you in other processes too. So I think, I mean, most of us have these amazing stories about advocacy and it's just so important. And it is where you can, you can feel the passion, all of you from all of you. So I appreciate you guys sharing your story and your passion. Um, we do have a few questions. We're going to round Robin. 
First question we have is in just a few simple words, what does being a carrier of Duchenne mean to you? And I'd love for you to speak on symptoms, uh, physical, emotional, any, anything that's come up regarding being a carrier of Duchenne. Um, Amy, if you want to start. I would say to me, uh, being a carrier means, you know, it means being part of a legacy and, you know, not only my family's legacy, but the legacy of just being a woman carrying an X-linked disease. You know, I think we all share, you know, a lot of the same concerns with being carriers of these diseases. Um, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Betty. Well, I think knowing that you're a carrier can be really tough knowledge to live with and to uh, wrap your mind around. And then again, to live with, to find a way to still live a, a full and happy life. I was full of a lot of guilt in the beginning. Um, again, we were all kind of, the boys and I were all kind of diagnosed together. And I just remember being so upset and angry at myself. Um, and I, I've learned, you know, I've learned it's not my fault. And there was, it was, that was out of my control. I, I had no, no way of knowing. And it was just part of what my life is, was going to be. And I think that's what I want to share is that we, we can still live a really good life. I mean, being a carrier definitely throws some bumps in there, but it can still be a good life. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. Uh, Jessica, I'd love to know what being a carrier of Duchenne means to you. Well, for me and having time and perspective to think, um, I realized that I used to carry actually shame about it in some way because it was something I was just holding within myself constantly. I didn't talk about it. I didn't really have people. I mean, I could talk to my family, but you know, again, they're dealing with someone with Duchenne on a daily basis. So it's like, okay, you know, let me just deal with this on my own. But I think for me now, um, it's kind of gone from shame to transparency. And I found a lot of freedom in just being transparent about who I am and the fact that I am a carrier because I do know people that are carriers and they will not let certain other people know that not just significant others, but groups of people, you know, and I feel for them. I do. And so I think by taking that step of saying your story and just putting it out there, I think that may give someone support and help if, as, along their journey in some way, even if they never talk about it, but maybe that will help somehow within. I love that. I find that when, when you share your story, it gives permission for other people to share theirs too and allows them to step into that power. I love that. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Mindy, what does being a carrier of Duchenne mean to you? Well, I've just come up with something really catchy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's listen to your heart. And that, I think that can apply to your emotions, mm -hmm. your feelings of self-worth and how this... Um, is has affected you and and also actually your heart if you you know take care of your heart this is this is the one aspect i, I think i know two or three duchenne carriers who have had heart attacks so it's not a small thing and another good point is if you're if you find out you're a carrier in your 30s and you, maybe you have a baseline cardiac test you have to keep doing that 
uh, my heart issues didn't start affecting me till I was in my 40s. So if you're in your 30s and you just found out you're a carrier or if you're in your 20s and you, and you get a clean bill of heart health, go back every, I would suggest, I don't, there's no, I, I'm saying this out of the blue, this is my own opinion, but I would make sure that, you, that you're seen every five years just to make sure that the, the, cardi the cardiac effects of being a carrier aren't starting in you. So it's not enough to go, it's not a one and done when you're checking your heart status as a carrier. That's great advice, thank you. Um, okay, so Amy, if you wanna start, uh, what is something you wish more people knew about carriers of Duchenne muscular dystrophy? say I wish more people knew that every carrier has their own story to tell and every one of those stories is important just like we we've, we've done yeah. today we've told our stories you know and as Jessica mentioned there's a lot of you know sometimes there's a lot of shame out there and we need to tell our stories um, so folks can know that you know every story is important um, some women find out their carriers early on some not until they have after after they've had a child diagnosed um, and I wish people that sometimes when they're comforting um, would know that they could not really hurt another person, um, even in a space, safe space. Uh, for example, just last week, the live in this group, someone mentioned mothers feeling guilty when they shouldn't because they didn't know they were carriers until after their son was diagnosed. And I'm sure it wasn't meant to hurt, but it can be perceived like that. Like, you know, like there's an implication that yes, if you did know you should feel guilt and you know, I think it's just important for us to, you know, recognize that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important that there are a lot of emotions that come with being a carrier in general and uh, terminology is important and we can never put our feelings or our thoughts on anybody else. It's your story to share and you have every right and uh, to feel your, the way that you feel about it. Um, I guilt specifically is a hard emotion, but we can all relate to that. Every single one of us can relate to that. So thank you for sharing that, Amy. Um, okay, Betty, if you wanna share, what is something you wish more people knew about being a carrier of Duchenne muscular dystrophy? Well, I feel like it's something we've talked about already kind of a lot, but I just think that the, the effects, the health effects that a carrier can experience and you know, I know that a lot of women who know that they're carriers, like that, have, they they find me. Like I get messages and emails, and they'll say, "I just found out I'm a carrier," and I might bring up some of the health issues, and nobody told them that before before I did. So, I think I wish um, that doctors that were diagnosing carriers and just, mm -hmm. just more people understood that, so that they carriers. Can know what to look for and get, you know, preventative and proactive care. Mm -hmm. It's so important too, because many of us in all excellent conditions are also caregivers of children with the condition. Um, and sometimes our feelings and our symptoms get masked or, or they're just not as important because we are taking care of somebody who has more symptoms maybe. Um, so I think that's, it's so important to talk about our symptoms and our feelings that come with being a carrier. It's so important. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Jessica, what is something you wish more people knew about carriers of Duchenne? Um, well, just that we exist, that we're out there, you know, and I think um, the more that we can be visible, the more 
our, you know, the doctor, the medical community is going to start picking up on this. And then we will have guidelines for heart health. We'll have more of a standard to say, you know, give good guidance for someone that was just diagnosed um, as a carrier for DMD or, or anything else that, um, and that rare diseases um, affect a lot of parts of your body, you know, depending on, you know, what that is, but that just that we're out there that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I guess like with that guilt feeling that, you know, okay, well, I don't have, you know, my life isn't as affected as if I had full-blown Duchenne or something like that. But I think just feeling comfortable and not being ashamed, you know, again, to be in these spaces and just being yourself and being who you are and being, you know, outward about it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, okay, Mindy, what is something you wish more people knew about carriers of Duchenne? That we still have wonderful personal and family lives and that these boys are just awesome and they, they want to be here. I mean, you know, it, they, they know that they have Duchenne, but that doesn't, I, I've never heard my son say, I wish I had never been born. Never. That's great. Um, I love that. That's, that's a good point. That's, that's a great advice. Um, okay. Next question. Um, have you been involved in any research efforts for DMD carriers? If you guys want to just run through Amy, you want to start if you have, I'm sure some of you have been in the same research. So if you want to just uh, talk about the research and name maybe the biggest point takeaway from that research that you've been involved with, that would be great. Sure, um, I'm also in the same uh, research study that Mindy has been involved with um, in Columbus so far. Um, I don't have any uh, cardiac involvement as far as I know, um, but I know that could change at any time. Mm -hmm. So I'm prepared for that at this point. Um, I guess the biggest thing in, in the study was figuring out or finding out what it was like to actually be in the study because I've had my, my son's been enrolled in other studies, natural history studies. Um, you know, I never really knew what it felt like personally to do something like the six minute walk test. And it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting. And I thought, you know, I can't believe the things my son has done in such a short period of, you know, his, his life um, that are just hard and scary. Um, you know, the cardiac MRI, I happen to have a problem with closed spaces. It took a lot of time to get over that in order to be in the study. So it's just a newfound, even, even greater respect for all the things that my son has done. Yeah. And other boys too. And yeah. Uh, Betty? Um, no, I always wanted to, but um, with three boys of my own, and they've all been in studies, and at about the time you could enroll for the carrier study, um, we were trying to get Adalorin or Translarn. It's a clinical trial drug, FDA approved, and I was really involved in ad advocacy for that, and so I just, there was no time. Yeah, well, it sounds like the carrier study is is ongoing too. So it sounds like there, there's a lot more to be done. Um, when we talked about it on our webinar last week, they mentioned that they still have so much research to do regarding separating caregivers from carriers. And that's um, a big piece of it. So I'm sure the research is ongoing and the carrier study will continue on. Um, and it, and 
there's just, there's so much to be done specifically regarding X and activation. We have so much work, right? Um, Jessica or Mindy, do you have anything to add about the carrier or any research studies that you've been a part of? Um, for me, I, there was a study that PPMD did that I just missed the cutoff for that. So, but I mean, in the future, I'd be more than willing to be a part of it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and I, I was, yeah, I was in, I think I was patient number two or three in the carrier study. And I learned that I have considerable fibrosis and that I need to be on meds. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a huge takeaway, right? Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So the next question is what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers? And what do you hope for the future of Duchenne muscular dystrophy carriers? Amy, if you want to start. I think there's going to continue to be a challenge sometimes to convince others that carriers can be more affected by the disease and that it's not solely a reproductive concern. Um, Duchenne lives with us. It's in our hearts, whether it's physical or emotional or a combination of both. Um, my hopes, like with the evidence that these studies provide, um, women who are, who are carriers who have some concerns with regards to DMD, um, you know, my hope is that their concerns will be taken more seriously. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yep. Um, okay, uh, Betty, if you want to uh, answer, what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers and what do you hope for the future of DMD carriers? I think awareness will always be a challenge um, just because there are the boys and, and because a lot of the carriers are caregivers and, mm -hmm. are, you know, like for me, my primary concern is the boys mm -hmm. and doing all that that entails. Um, and so even I probably don't, do, you know, don't do a great job of remembering that I'm a carrier and that my issues need attention as well. Um, I hope for the future, just because potentially I, I have three daughters that could be carriers. So I hope that that it just continues to change. There's better care mm -hmm. for carriers and, and that there's more hope that yeah. if they have a son with Duchenne that, you know, that landscape's always changing too. So I just hope it's hopeful. It's yeah, no, I love that. Um, I think just having the medical and genetic community to recognize that carriers can have issues would be a big step because right now there's still doctors that will not acknowledge that carriers can have symptoms. So you're right. We still have a lot of work to do. Um, and I think we're, we're progressing in the right way. So, um, Jessica, what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers? And what do you hope for the future of Duchenne carriers? Um, I, I think it does for me center around just education, um, letting people know just what some have said that, you know, it is possible to have an amazing life, even though you have, you're a carrier for something. Um, and I, I think my hope is for me is geared towards the medical community and even in like nursing education that more people on kind of those front lines like doctors, nurses, that they could be taught some of the early signs of Duchenne. So it can be caught quicker, you know, that it's not, you know, you don't go through five people to finally get a test, you know, or it's a physical therapist that notices, you know, maybe there could be more um, 
you know, again, going back to those standards, you know, whether that's for carriers themselves or um, our guys with Duchenne. Yeah, I would love for continuing medical education to focus on genetics in general, <laughs> uh, but specifically X-linked conditions, because I think um, that, I mean, I do think that's that with genetics growing, that's where we're headed, but I do believe that we ha- all can all can learn, but specifically in the medical and, and genetics world, they have so much research to do on their own. So I, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mindy, what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers and what do you hope for the future of Duchenne carriers? I would like to see more females involved in clinical trials and clinical studies, um, whether they be, we have some girls that are still considered to be manifesting carriers, but they have full-blown Duchenne and they're, they're excluded from almost all the studies. Uh, I've, you know, my son is screening for a clinical trial right now and it's a heart, it's a heart med and I'm like, can I be in it? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, no one's really looking at how we can include the females in the clinical trials in, in DMD. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think I'm, I'm going to be bold and go to say like most, most medical research is done on men to begin with. I'm actually reading right now and I highly recommend this book. It's called The Better Half, uh, Genetic, The Genetic Superiority of Women. And I've read it a few times and it's so fascinating because in our history, most trials on any medication, vaccine, et cetera, are all done on men. And they talk about how there's a huge difference in how we metabolize drugs and nobody researches that or talks about how gender can influence medicine. So that's a great point. And it can even spread out to so many aspects of medicine. So. That's wonderful. Thanks, Mindy, for that. Um, Okay. So if you could go back to before you knew you were a carrier, what would you tell yourself, Amy? Knowing so early on, that was a really hard question for me to to answer. (laughs) Um, I guess I'd tell myself to seek advice from people that you know and you trust, but don't let others dictate what choices you make in your life. Um, when all is said and done, um, yep. it, it is up to you. Yeah, that's excellent life, life advice. <laughs> I, I think you. it's the same for, you know, it, it fits in a lot of areas. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Betty, what would you tell yourself if you could go back to before you were diagnosed as a carrier? Well, I think, I think I wasted a couple years right after um, diagnosis, kind of feeling sorry for myself and for lots of different reasons. So I think if I could tell myself and if I would listen, would say would be to, you know, it's gonna be okay. And your dreams have all changed, but that doesn't mean there won't be more dreams and um, you, you can be happy, it's okay. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Um, Jessica, what would you tell yourself if you could go back to before you knew you were a carrier? I think similar to, um, to Betty, what you just said is just, it's going to be okay. You know, ultimately, yes, there's gonna be the, those times of feeling sad, um, you know, trauma, things that you deal with your, in your own family, but ultimately um, it's gonna be okay. And there is that support, you know, that's huge. So. Yes, yes, that's great. Okay, Mindy, uh, if you could go back to before mm-hmm. you knew you were a carrier, what would you tell yourself? 
Well, I don't know if it was before I was a carrier, but I, I feel like I got way too wrapped up in the future when I first found out that Christopher had Duchenne. It was all about the cure, the cure, the cure, the cure. And I feel like I may have lost some valuable time and some valuable moments with my boys. Yeah, no, that's wonderful advice. Um, okay, so to end this conversation, I would like for you each to go through um, and give me your one word. When you think of Remember the Girls and the future for women carriers of X-Link disorders, what is the first word that comes to mind? Um, Amy, if you want to start. Um, love. love. I think it's twofold. Um, love. You know, we love our children and we have to love ourselves too. Yes. Uh, Betty? Hope. Um, Hope. Oh. Oh, great. Wonderful. Uh, Jessica? Um, for me, it's fearless. Yes. I love it. And, and then Mindy? Uh, I think wisdom. Wisdom. That's great. Thank you guys so much for taking the time today um, and sharing a little piece of your heart in your journey. I, we really appreciate it. It's been an invaluable resource to us. Thank you. Thank you.